Before I was a mother, I thought I knew. I thought I knew what love looks like. I thought I knew the value of sleep. I thought I knew the sound of success. Before I was a mother, I thought I knew the beauty of a prayer, the potential of my joy, the length of my patience. I thought I knew the depth of art. The soul of laughter. The importance of magic. Before I was a mom, I thought I knew the stress and worry. The beautiful torture of learning. The healing of peace. I thought I knew how to keep my head. This is the third time. Let's go. I thought I knew how to fix my parents' mistakes. I thought I knew how to be a cool mom. Before I was a mother, I thought I knew, but now I realize I had a lot to learn. You were teaching me the whole time, even before I was aware of it. You were welcoming me into the sisterhood of mothers. A calling is old as love itself. You never grow out of Happy Mother's Day, everyone. Well, today is the day that we recognize mothers, obviously, but I don't know about you, I didn't know where it actually formally came from, so I looked it up, and Anna M. Jarvis, who lived from 1864 to 1948, first suggested the national observance of an annual day honoring all mothers because she had loved her own mother so dearly. At a memorial service for her mother on May 10th, 1908, Miss Jarvis gave a carnation, her mother's favorite flower, to each person who attended. Within the first few years, the idea of honoring mothers gained popularity, and Mother's Day was observed in a number of large cities in the United States. But on May 9, 1914, by an act of Congress, President Woodrow Wilson proclaimed the second Sunday in May as Mother's Day. And he has established this time, this day is a time for us to publicly publicly express our love and reverence for all the mothers in our country. It's become customary to wear white carnations to, the, to honor the departed mothers and red to honor the living, and that custom continues today. Well, I didn't want to give out carnations because I think roses are prettier. So we have some roses and we have some chocolate for all of the mothers in here, and Jesse and Andrew are going to be helping pass those out. 
So we're just so, so blessed with all of our mothers. I'm blessed to have my mother with me this morning and my dad and my brother, but it's Mother's Day, so I'm not talking about you guys. So I'm really happy to have her here in our first service as a church, Mother's Day. It's just really awesome for me that my mother is here with us. So as they continue to pass those out, yeah, make sure my mom gets a, a rose. There you go. And Miss Cece, Miss Cece's got to get one. All right. Well, if you'll turn your Bibles with me to 2 Kings 4, we're going to look at another story in the Bible from Elisha. Remember, we've been talking about Elijah, and Elisha was his protege who carried on, and God gave a double portion of the anointing with him. And we're going to read through this story, and it's going to go, there's a whole lot of scriptures, but we're just going to read through, and we're going to paint the story of what happens. And I want you to see the heart of a mother who didn't even know she was a mother in the beginning and what she's willing to go through. So starting with verse 8, one day Elisha went to a town of Shunem. A wealthy woman lived there, and she urged him to come to her home for a meal. So she just noticed that he's the prophet and says, hey, why don't you come join us for lunch after, you know, while you're coming through here? Come have dinner with us. After that, just like every other preacher, when he passed that way, he would stop there for something to eat. She said to her husband, I am sure this man who stops in from time to time is a holy man of God. Let's build a small room for him on the roof and furnish it with a bed, a table, a chair, and a lamp, and then he'll have a place to stay whenever he comes by the original Airbnb. Anyway, one day Elisha returned to Shunem, and he went up to this upper room to rest. And then he said to his servant Gehazi, tell the woman for Shunem, I want to speak to her. When she appeared, Elisha said to Gehazi, tell her, we appreciate the kind concern you have shown us. What can we do for you? Can we put in a good word for you to the king or to the commander of the army? No, she replied, my family takes good care of me. Later, Elisha asked Gehazi, what can we do for her? See, she sowed into the prophet of God, and that got his attention to do something for her. That's just a, a byproduct of that. This is pretty awesome. Gehazi replied, she doesn't have a son, and her husband is an old man. Call her back again, Elisha told him. When the woman returned, Elisha t- said to her as she stood in the doorway, next year, at this time, you'll be holding a son in your arms. Now, imagine she's wanted, remember, this is the culture where you're judged if you were really a woman by whether or not you had an offspring, if you were a mother. So she's probably been trying and said that her husband is old, so she's probably given up hope on this whole thing. She said, no, my Lord, she cried. Oh, man of God, do not deceive me and get my hopes up like that. But sure enough, the woman soon became pregnant, and at the following At that time, the following year, she had a son, just as Elisha had said. Isn't that an awesome story? God was just reaching out to her, and that thing that she wasn't even voicing, she wasn't saying, hey, I built you this house. Can you get me a baby? I mean, she wasn't looking at any of those things. She just, out of the abundance of her heart, wanted to be good to the man of God. And God reached out to her. Verse 18, one day when her child was older, he went out to help his father who was working with the harvesters. Suddenly cried, my head hurts, my head hurts. And his father said to one of the servants, carry him home to his mother. Now that is the typical phrase from every father, right? I don't know, go home to your mother. Get somebody to, you know, somebody drive him home. You know, she'll figure it out. She knows what to do. So the servant took him home and his mother held him on her lap. But by around noontime, he died. 
She carried him up and laid him on the bed of the man of God, then shut the door and left him there. She sent a message to her husband and said, send one of the servants and a donkey so that I can hurry to the man of God and come right back. Why go today, he asked. It is neither a new moon festival nor the Sabbath. He's like, this isn't even a church day. Why are you going to go see the preacher? Why are you going to go to the man of God? This isn't even, you know, it's, it's his day off. This isn't the time to go bother him. And I love these words. But she said, it will be all right. So she settled a donkey and said to the servant, hurry, don't slow down unless I tell you to. And as they approached the man of God at Mount Carmel, Elisha saw her coming from a distance, and he said to Gehazi, look, the woman from Shunem is coming. Run out to meet her and ask her, is everything all right with you, your husband, and your child? So he could see the, the fervor. And I mean, she's just driving that donkey. They're just trying to get in there really quick. It's like, what's going on? Go see if everything's all right with her. Even asking about her child. Look what her, she replied. Yes, the woman told Gehazi, everything is fine. Now I ask you, was everything fine? Her son was dead. He starts saying his head hurt, his head hurt. And all of a sudden, he's dead. She goes and lays him on Elisha's bed that she built up this place for him. And she tells Gehazi, everything is fine. What do you bet that she knew something in faith that no one else could see yet? Verse 27. But when she came to the man of God at the mountain, she fell on the ground before him and caught a hold of his feet. And Gehazi began to push her away. But the man of God said, leave her alone. She is deeply troubled. But the Lord has not told me what it is. So here she is. She's like not even telling them what's going on. Obviously, she's coming in in a fury. Just, you know, it's like you see the dust whirling up behind her. It's like, what's going on? She says everything's fine. But clearly, it's not. Verse 28. Then she said, did I ask you for a son, my Lord? See, you get back to that pinching that had been going on in her. And I didn't say, didn't I say, don't deceive me and get my hopes up? She doesn't even tell him what happened. But she's just crying out in anguish. Then Elisha said to Gehazi, Get ready to travel. Take my staff and go. Don't talk to anyone along the way. Go quickly and lay the staff on the child's face. But the, mother, the boy's mother said, As surely as the Lord lives and you yourself live, I will not go home unless you go with me. So Elisha returned with her. Gehazi hurried on ahead and laid the staff on the child's face, but nothing happened. There was no sign of life. He returned to meet Elisha and told him, the child is still dead. I did what you told me, Elisha. I, I, I did it just like you said, and the child is still dead. Now, can't you imagine? They're all like, what's going on? I mean, here, we, this lady is, this rich lady's been like sowing into our ministry. She's been like, she built a house for us. She built all this stuff. She feeds us every time we come into town. And now this tragedy's happened. I laid the staff on just like you told me to, Elisha, and nothing happened. When Elisha arrived, the child was indeed dead, lying there on the prophet's bed. He went in alone and shut the door behind him and prayed to the Lord. Then he laid down on the child's body and he placed his mouth on the child's mouth, his eyes on the child's eyes, his hands on the child's hands. And as he stretched out on him, the child's body began to grow warm again. Can't you see Elisha? Here the baby was taken up. We don't know how old he was, but he's up there on the man of God's bed. 
And Elisha goes and lays down on top of him and just starts making the form of him. And Elisha's praying that God will use his anointing that's in his life to transfer into this baby, this boy. Elisha got up and walked back and forth across the room once. Then he stretched out himself again on the child. This time, the boy sneezed seven times and opened his eyes. Then Elisha summoned Gehazi and said, Call the, the child's mother. And he, he said, Then she came in, and Elisha said, Here, take your son. And she fell down at his feet and bowed before him, overwhelmed with gratitude. Then she took her son in her arms and carried him downstairs. What an emotional story, right? I mean, we have this picture of this woman who's just doing a good deed. She's like, she's a good woman. She just wanted to bless the man of God. She knew the value of a man of God, and she wanted to sow into his life. She wasn't looking for anything in return. She wasn't asking him for anything in return. And here God moved in her life, and God did something amazing for her. And then he dies. Even in that, she wasn't running going, my kid's dead, my son's dead, he's dead. She wasn't accepting that he was dead. She told him, everything's all right. She told her husband, I'm going to go see the man of God because I know God did not give me this promise to let it die in front of me. Weren't that the words that she said? Wasn't that what she said to him? Why did you do this to me? I told you. Why did you bring me down this road for this to happen? I don't believe she was questioning Elisha. I believe that was her faith still talking, saying, it's all going to turn out all right because you didn't bring me this far for this baby to be dead. Her faith changed that story. Let's be honest. If it was up to the dad, they'd have buried the kid. Not throwing any shades on dad, My dad said it right here. I'm not going to throw any shade on no one. But a mother's faith is unbelievable. Now, bring us to today. Many people stay home to be with their children. Some people work outside the home in whichever way you feel led. I'm not going and saying one way is better than another. But I just want to look for the stay-at-home moms what would their salary be if they actually got paid to stay at home? Has anybody ever seen these, these um, studies? It is a lot, Ms. Cece. Here's what it was studied out, and this is how it comes out. Experts say it would certainly be a six-figure annual salary. Now, everyone, I don't know how you collect on the six-figure annual salary, but it would be a six-figure annual salary. According to the study, Conducted by Salary.com, a stay-at-home mom's salary would be worth approximately $143,102 a year. That includes a base salary of $48,509 for the standard 40-hour week, as well as 52 hours of overtime that equate to an extra 94000 The overtime is really where it's going to kill you because how many of you know that being a mom and how your mom takes care of you, how my mom took care of me, is not an eight-hour-a-day job. It is a 24-hour-a-day job. I can remember plenty of times with our children, just it wasn't like you can just turn it on and turn it off and say, okay, 
Okay, I'm clocking out now. Have you guys seen those commercials about the, the dad that says, hey, I'm going to have to call in sick tomorrow because I don't feel really good. And then it's the kid in the, in the crib. And he's like, eh. it's like, no, you can't call in sick when you're taking care of your kids. Thank God you don't. But we saw a great story in the Old Testament about this woman from, the, from Shunammite. We don't even know her name, but her faith is amazing. But I want to also draw another comparison to what Solomon said. Obviously, you can't have a Mother's Day service without talking about Proverbs 31. So if you'll turn with me to Proverbs 31, we're going to kind of go through what Solomon describes. And I believe he's describing one of his wives. I don't know which one. He had 365 and 800 concubines. So I'm not really sure who he was talking about. But when he says you're greater than all of them, he really had a comparison to draw there. But anyway, verse 10. Who can find a virtuous and capable wife? And I'm sure he was looking through the entire ones that were there with him, but that's another story. You guys have heard me say before what I heard from Pastor Chris. Why did Solomon have so many wives? He was hoping when he came home, one of them would be in a good mood. So anyway, we'll get right back to the scripture. She is more precious than rubies. Her husband can trust her, and she'll be greatly enriched. she will greatly enrich his life. She brings him good and not harm all the days of her life. She finds wool and flax and, bi- and busily spends it. Not so much of that going on today. She's like a merchant ship bringing her food from afar. She gets up before dawn to prepare breakfast for her household and plan the day's work for her servant go- girls. She goes to inspect a field and buys it. With her earnings, she plants a vineyard. So she's got all this stuff going on on her own. She's not needing somebody to support her. She's got the initiative on her own. She's an energetic and strong and hard worker. She makes sure that her dealings are profitable and her lamp burns late into the night. Her hands are busy spinning thread and her fingers twist fiber. She extends a helping hand to the poor. She has no fear of winter for her household, for everyone has warm clothes. She makes her own bedspread. She dresses in fine linens and purple gowns. Her husband is well known in the city gates where he sits with the other civic leaders. And everyone knows behind every successful man is a surprise mother-in-law. No, is a, is a better woman. Yes, that's right. She makes belt, belted linen garments and sashes to sell to the merchants. So she's industrious. She's got all this stuff going on. She's clothed with strength and dignity. She laughs without fear of the future. When she speaks, her words are wise, and she gives instruction with kindness. She carefully watches over everything in her household and suffers nothing from laziness. Her, her children stand and bless her. Her husband also praises her. There are many virtuous and capable women in the world, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceitful, and beauty does not last, but a woman who fears the Lord will be greatly praised. I believe Solomon was talking about his wives that he was describing in this, and then he turns it saying, I'm, I'm writing this book to now encourage other people with wisdom. So we see that he's talking about her, and then he shifts here in verse 30, and now he starts, he's not talking as much about her. Now he's given an encouraging word to someone else. Charm is deceptive, and beauty does not last. But a woman who fears the Lord will be greatly praised. So we see there that the greatest calling isn't all the other stuff she did. It wasn't how good she was at buying and selling and spinning and doing all these things and twisting wires and all the things he says she did. But her worship and fearing the Lord is what really makes it. Verse 31. 
Reward her for all she has done. Let her deeds publicly declare her praise. Ladies, another example we see from Peter, he talks about how we're supposed to be as well. So where Solomon starts saying, hey, this is the model. This is what she looks like for me, and this is what you can follow in her steps in doing. Peter continues that. Verse 3 of chapter 3. Your adornment must not be merely external, braiding the hair, wearing gold jewelry, and putting on dresses. So it's not just about everything you got going on on the outside. It's not about how beautiful your makeup is. is isn't how many Instagram hits you get on your pictures you're putting up there. All of the different things. It's not, it should not merely be external. But the next verse said, but let it be the hidden person of the heart. With the imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is precious in the sight of God. But look at that, the hidden person of the heart. Now, that's what God sees, but that's not often what we see because people can put up masks and screens and you can't see through that. But rather than let it be all the stuff that's happening on the outside, let this be where your true virtue is. So young girls, those wanting to get married, those that are going to be married soon, let this be an encouragement for you as well. Um, Verse 3 and 5 in the NLT says it this way. This is how the holy women of old made themselves beautiful. He says, this is how they ended up. This This isn't something new. This is something that's been going on for a long time. And this is how they do it. Proverbs 31 from the Message Bible in verse 15 says, She gets up before dawn. She prepares breakfast for her family and organizes her entire day. Verse 17, first thing in the morning, she dresses for works, rolls up her sleeve, and is eager to get started. Doesn't that sound like your mom? Certainly sounds like my mom. And my mom already had the list of things I had to do that day. I wasn't so proud of that part of it, but um, she was very industrious, still is very industrious. I won't say how young you are, but still is very industrious. Verse 18 in the message also says, she senses the worth of her work. It is in no hurry to call it quits for the day. Isn't that amazing? I just love the way the Message Bible put that. She senses the worth of her work. Now, what's the worth of her work as a mother? Her children. She's no hurry to call it quits. She's not saying, man, I've had enough of this. That would be me. I always say, I've had enough of this. I just, but she keeps an eye on everyone in her household and keeps them also busy and productive. So as today's Mother's Day, what kind of gifts can we give mom? So we wrap it up in the next couple of minutes. Maybe you already gave your mom a gift. We've already given the mothers and the the young ladies here chocolates and a flower. But I want us to look at some worse gifts. The worst gifts we could possibly give, and these are kind of funny. So I just looked up, and I just get, there's so many to choose from. But how many of you know it's not a good idea on Mother's Day to give your mother a weight loss book? That is not where you should go at all. Or wrinkle cream. Even if it would be a blessing, it is not a blessing. A vacuum cleaner, that's not a good thing to get for Mother's Day. A card, and I should have put it put this up on the screen. It says, a card to my wife, and wife is scratched out, and mom is written out. 
on her birthday, birthday is scratched out and put Mother's Day. How many of you know? Buy a real card, okay? It's, it's, it's worth it. Another bad gift would be how to get a, a, a book that's title is How to Be a Good Mom when she's already had a bunch of mom, a bunch of kids. That's not when she needs to be learning that. Don't get mom a gaming system. Don't get her your favorite game. Or flat screen TV with the complete ESPN package. Or this one, someone actually gave their mom a to- toilet bowl, brush set, and cleaning supplies. Wow. So hopefully no one in here is going to do that today. But here's some things. I just wrote down a few. We have some scriptures to back it up. Give your mom the gift of time. Love is defined and spelled as T-I-M-E. My mom lives five hours south of here. I can't go and visit her as often as I would like. I'm so happy she's here this morning. But I can call her. I can talk to her. I can stay in touch with what's going on in her and let her know what's going on with me. Time. Number two, a gift you can give your mom. Honor. Honor your mother. It's the first commandment with a promise. Ephesians 6 says, Children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord. For this is the right thing to do. Honor your mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. Honor your mother. Obviously it says your father and your mother. We're not talking about fathers today. Honor your mother. We can give honor to our mothers. We can also give her joy. Proverbs 23, 25 says, So give your mother joy. May she who gave you birth be happy. How many of you know when mama's happy? Come on, everybody's happy. Another thing we can give our moms is words of encouragement. Proverbs 31, 28 in the Message Bible says, Her children respect and bless her. Her husband joins in with words of praise. And I believe this is the husband that's saying the next verse. It says, many women have done wonderful things, but you have outclassed them all. Isn't that amazing? So not only the kids saying, man, you're the best mom in the whole world, but the husband joins in, man, you're just putting all other women to shame. You've outclassed them all. I just love the way that was written. Another gift you can give mom is understanding. This is more for the wives. Dwell with your wife, it says in 1 Peter 3, 7. Husbands, give honor to your wives. Treat your wife with understanding as you live together. And lastly, take care of your wife. Be concerned about her. Be concerned about your mom. Even Jesus, in his intense struggle, as he's on the cross about to die, he's concerned about his mom. He says, John, come up here. He didn't motion to him because he's stuck like this. But he's like, John, come up here. Behold your mother. Mom, behold your new son. His last words, his last breath of things that he's doing, his concern is taking care of Let's pray. Father, we've seen some great stories today of mothers. We've seen great faith. The woman from Shunem. Lord, we don't know what became of that young boy and what 
great calling you had on his life and the blessing that he was to her. But Lord, her faith changed the situation. And I thank you for the faith from my mom that's changed my situations. For the faith of the moms in here and all of our moms that change situations. The prayers of a mom that are more powerful than anything we can have on our side. Thank you, Lord, for our moms. Thanks for creating a situation that we have mothers. You could have made it so we didn't have that close one-on-one. But you did. Thank you, Lord, for our mothers. Father, right now I speak a blessing over all the mothers that are here, all the mothers who are listening to the the sound of my voice on the stream or on the videos or anywhere they hear. Lord, I speak a blessing over them. And I thank you for this day that we can set aside to honor them. Lord, I pray that we will take the, the ways that the gifts that we can give and give them time to give them honor, to give them joy, to give them words of encouragement, to dwell with understanding. And Lord, that we will take care of them throughout their entire life. We give all this to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.